Welcome back to your home inspector training. I am Garth Haslam, the home medic. Subject today is we're going after structural issues. Now, I don't necessarily want to try and turn you into a structural engineer with a 10-minute podcast, but we do need to get you up to a basic level of understanding so that at least you don't appear to be a fool in front of your clients when they ask you some basic questions. In addition, there's some basic structural issues that you're going to want to be aware of, too. One example of that, I have personally, early in my career as a home inspector, I assumed that my role was to be looking at roofs and electrical plugs and plumbing and that sort of thing. When I got an angry phone call from a person that I'd done an inspection for, he said that I had failed to report a tree trunk that was pushing against a foundation, and he went so far as to accuse his realtor of choosing me because she was trying to just make a sale rather than serve the client. Of course, that turned out very poorly for her, and even less well for me because she basically caused me to lose the business of not only herself, but everybody else in her office, and I was getting pretty well entrenched in that office had pretty much everybody in there. And so that was a costly mistake for me. What had happened is I went around the perimeter of the house. I noticed that there was a tree that was very close to the structure, but I thought, hey, trees are not part of a home inspection. And so I just kept going. What I'd failed to account for is that that tree is very much a part of the home inspection. And in this case, the tree was actually touching the foundation to the point that it was pushing the foundation in. It pushed it in somewhere between an inch, maybe half inch somewhere. It was certainly noticeable, and I had failed to report that in my inspection report. You, as a result of the damage that I've taken, get to avoid that problem. Natural forces very much makes up a substantial segment of what you're expected to inspect for. So we've got tree trunks that you're going to want to be paying attention to. In addition, you've got tree branches that certainly can damage the roof. It can scrape the roof. Maybe it can blow in the wind and maybe punch holes in windows. It can represent a ladder for raccoons, etc., to get onto the roof and then into the structure. And also, you're going to be wanting to look in the tree branches category. If you have an electrical main line that's coming into the home through a set of tree branches, you know that if that tree were to fall or if the branch were to fall or even if there was a heavy windstorm, they might lose their electrical power and having that thing spit and spark all over the backyard. So all of the above needs to be noticed and written up. In addition... You've got falling trees. So let's say, for example, and from my experience in the area that I work in, pine trees are the first ones to fall over in a windstorm. If you have that pine and it is leaning towards the house, perhaps because of 20 years of being exposed to wind and and it's maybe leaning to the south, and let's say for a moment that the house is to the south, If you imagine that that tree were to fall, how much structural damage would it cause to the house? That is another one of those questions you should ask and then deliver that opinion, your opinion, 
to the clients as to what the structural damage may be if that particular tree were to fall. Now, there's other kinds of trees that are much less likely to fall than pines, and those may or may not be the case. I have certainly seen from cottonwoods where you have large tree branches, and even from some other types of trees where you have large branches that just break off and fall randomly and commonly, and so you're going to want to bring that sort of issue up with your client. The kinds of structural issues that could be caused by trees that are located too close to the house. So that's the natural forces subcategory of structural issues that we're talking about today. Also in the structural category, quite often you'll have a client who, of course, they're buying a new house. They want to renovate it, maybe remodel, maybe move some walls. One of the questions they're going to ask you is they're going to point to a wall and say, is that a bearing wall? And, of course, you are going to be expected to have an answer. A couple of rules of thumb to use as you're doing that. You can put them off until you see what's going on in the attic. If you're getting overlap of structural beams or members up in the attic, and that overlap happens directly above where your wall is, you've got a structural wall. Let's say, for example, as you get up into the attic that you see maybe a standard truss system where you've got the outside, let's call it a triangle, you know, not using the $10 term, and then you'll have some interior supports. If those interior supports do not align with any particular wall, then none of those interior walls beneath are structural. So you can look at that. In addition, you can also just look at the walls inside the house. So for example, Let's say you've got a wall that runs pretty much the entire mid-length of the house. You know, it just kind of seems to be consistent. If so, even before you get into the attic, that will give you an indication that you probably do have that wall being a structural support. Now, if you go a long distance where that wall ends and maybe you've got a gap between maybe a family room and a dining room and it doesn't have a header, that casts doubt on whether the rest of the wall may be structural because if you've got this big gap that doesn't need structural support, then maybe the rest of the wall that is there doesn't provide the structural support as well. But you never know until you actually get in and see if there is a load that is being placed on that wall from above. If so, of course, then that's structural doesn't mean that they can't remove the wall, but if they do, they've got to provide structural support, and usually in terms of, of a header, so that they can move the structural load over to another location where it can be carried to the ground. Okay, carport structural is another one of those subjects that can be very interesting for a home inspector. I've seen on a couple of occasions where you imagine the home that was maybe built in 1960 and then in 1978 somebody decided they want to do a carport. I have seen where they do the outer posts on the outer corners and then on the inside maybe they've got a horizontal 2x4 that's providing basically no structural support and sometimes the connection to the house is either weak or I saw in one house where it looked like it was nothing at all. So those sorts of things you're going to want to be paying attention to to just make sure that all loads, imagine yourself standing up on the roof 
and what part of it is going to collapse on you. So, of course, at the risk of stating the obvious, carports, etc., need to have a minimum of four structural supports. And if it's an afterthought, it needs to be securely attached to the house. So in this segment, we've talked about natural forces. Earlier segments, we've talked about vertical movement, structural movement in a house, and we've talked about horizontal structural movement in a house. Vertical is, of course, settlement. Horizontal is earthquakes and landslides, or just having a house sliding down the hillside in this case. This segment was natural forces. We talked about bearing walls and carport structural. So, by all means, don't let this be the only study that you do bringing yourself up to speed, but we do at least get you to kindergarten level. More information, my website, homemedicusa.com, notchi.org, excellent site. Spend a lot of time there. And as always, go out there, do a great inspection, and make me proud.